and welcome to the Fizzle Show. I fooled you. I came in real close and I was like, we're going to talk like this. And then I went out here and got real excited because it's another episode of The Fizzle Show where we talk about things that are interesting to indie business builders. All right. This isn't your venture backed sell your soul to your board meeting board of directors. This isn't your, uh, you know, this is a, what is this? This is, you're making a business, earning a living, doing something that you actually care about. You're trying to do it. This is a very, in a very real way, the dream of a lot of people right now. And what we want to do is want to tell the truth about this stuff. Because the truth is, it's possible. You can do this, but it's difficult. It's difficult to do. That's all right. So is playing guitar. I know how to play guitar. That didn't come easily to me. I mean, arguably easier to me than others, because, I mean, look at my hair. I was made for this kind of thing. (laughs) But the point is, you can create a business that earns you at least some side revenue from something that you care about. The question is, how do you do it, and what do you do when it gets difficult? All right, that's what we're talking about today specifically. We'll get into that in just a second. On the on the horn with me in in Louisville, Kentucky <laughs> is Steph Crowder. Say hi, Steph. Hi, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great week. That's right. And here in the studio, in the Fizzle Studios in Portland, Oregon, I have Kerber. <laughs> Say hi, Kerber. Hey. <laughs> Kermit Burr. (laughs) Kermit Burr. All right. And today, specifically, what we're talking about is, um, okay, in fact, let's just tell the story, Steph, that Mm -hmm. you told me as we were talking about this, because it's a great example. It's an intense intense example. Yep. But it's a great example. So tell that story, protecting the the names and the faces of the innocent. Of course. Always. So, as if you guys are longtime listeners, you may have heard us talk before about one of, I think all three of us, one of our very favorite things about the community that we run over at Fizzle.co is this thing that we have every single Friday called Fizzle Friday. And it's this uh, really like small group intensive coaching session where there's about 25 of us and you get a chance to get individualized attention to your business. And it's kind of like a little mastermind session. It's super fun and you never know what's going to come up. And in one of my recent sessions, we had a great great, really vulnerable conversation with one of our fizzlers who is having a really tough time. She is someone who has been in our community for a while. She's kind of beloved, I think, in terms of people in our community, always helping other people. And she's made some real traction lately. I'm talking like actually has a product, has been going to some fairs and really starting to see some progress in her business, which is really exciting. Traction the way- for the first time in, in, yes. in uh, like after a lot of effort, right? Yes. Yeah. A lot yeah. of back and forth, a lot of self-doubt, really, you know, huge strides on a personal level, personal development wise. So it's been really cool to see her in this place. And sometimes business building I have found can be majorly two steps forward and one step back. So she got on the Fizzle Friday call with me recently and told me that there is, we'll call it someone in her life. She has a person in her life who is kind of determined to sabotage her efforts. I mean, kind of out there in terms of like malicious. I would definitely say malicious, you know. So this is somebody in their life like... Like actually, literally, like 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 nightmare scenario, trying to yes. sabotage work that you're doing, which for the first time is getting some traction. Yes, exactly. Like doing really shady stuff, like trying to report her website as you know 
there's something wrong with it or spam or, you know, taking advantage of people, et cetera, really doing anything that this person could to tear down the progress that this person has made in her business. And she was understandably really distraught about it to the point where she was like, I don't even know how to pull myself out of this. I just want to go in my hole because if you've been building a business for any amount of time, putting yourself out there consistently, that's really scary stuff. And I think when all of us are afraid to push publish, when we're afraid to bear our ideas to the world, this is the nightmare. This is what all of us are afraid of is something happening like this that just takes like really robs you of all of your confidence, all the fears that you have about, you know, negativity and people doing things to thwart all your attempts are coming true for this person. And it was really hard to listen to. We had, I think, a really great kind of group hug type conversation where we gave her some ideas about how she can kind of pull herself out of it. But it kind of got us on a conversation, the three of us earlier today, about all of us have faced negativity in one way or another. Some cases Mm. are really extreme like this one, but we got to have a game plan in place for when this happens, either on a large scale like this case, this really unfortunate case, or on a smaller scale. It's just that kind of ick feeling of like, wow, there are people out there who don't necessarily want me to succeed. And maybe that sounds harsh, but I think it's true. So I think as as entrepreneurs, we have to figure out how do we go forward knowing that something like this is a possibility. Mm, That's right. Well, and this is an extreme case, right? Yes. So it's a possibility, but it's not. I think we'll share some stories today about negativity that we've experienced. But in this case, it crossed the line from just being an asshole to actively trying to thwart something that somebody's working on, which is, which is, you know, I mean, maybe it's a form of harassment. It's definitely a form of harassment, but maybe there's like some recourse you could take legally almost right right? yeah 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 that's so so it's an it's an extreme example but i think it is in it is a great little parable for us to all realize that in our attempts uh at, at making some sort of uh something out there in the world it's likely that we will come up against some sort of adversity or negativity um specifically right and and I want to broaden this out because I think many, many people find success and live a great, lovely life without without experiencing much like direct negativity at all, right? So I'm not saying if you start a business, you're definitely going to get attacked on the internet. Right. Um, I do think that all of us, all of us, however, face negativity, especially of an internal psychological kind. You know what I mean? Just like the yeah. fear that you have of putting something out there. Sometimes that that bark is so much louder than any bite you can get from lo- putting something out into the world. Does that make sense? What I mean is sometimes your mental chatter is and the fear inside about doing something is worse than any of the negative consequences that could potentially come from doing that thing and failing or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great, it's just, it's just, this story is what sparked our conversation about like, okay, so every entrepreneur is going to be facing some negativity at some point, some sort of adversity problem uh, of, of some kind. And, and the question is, how do you, respond and i think a lot of entrepreneurship is in that is in that question how do you respond our business is called fizzle in large part because the big question is what happens to you as the entrepreneur like what do you do next when your business starts to fizzle out 
because everybody has this honeymoon where things are going great and yada, yada, yada. But as it starts to, as you hit a plateau of some kind, what happens next? This is something we see again and again and again in our own experience of entrepreneurship and in other people's experience of entrepreneurship. So how will you respond when you experience negativity or adversity is sort of is the topic of this episode. And we've each brought an example of some sort of negativity or adversity that we've had to face and, and some advice I, I think we all have about, uh, about how you guys out there listening, you dear listener, you know, you're building your thing. You might not, you, everything might be hunky dory right now. Probably not. You've probably already faced some kind of adversity um, to get to here, but what is our advice for you to to make decisions or to to figure out how you're going to respond in the face of something like this happening to you, whether it's as intense as the story we told earlier or whether it's light, it's just psychological, it's something that, that other people will go like, hey, quit, your, quit whining about it. That's just regular, you know? It still hurts, all right, guys? <laughs> so <laughs> with that with that in mind, what do you want to say, Corbin? Well, and, and I guess maybe to start this off, I, I was thinking about the difference between pure negativity and positive or not positive constructive criticism yeah okay a lot of times when we start out as entrepreneurs we feel like we have to protect our idea like it's our infant right yeah yeah and if anybody says anything negative about it we just write them off and get all huffy about it right Mm -hmm. a lot of times you i I think it's it's tough you have to grow kind of thick skin when you're shopping around an idea a lot of people are going to be disbelievers about whether or not this thing can work but there's a big difference between somebody just hating on you because you're trying versus someone just questioning what you're working on and whether or not it can be successful and i think if as entrepreneurs we get better about differentiating between those two things there's actually a lot of really useful constructive criticism out there that we could used to our advantage mm-hmm. instead of going, oh, screw that person. They don't know what they're talking totally. about. Right. And charging ahead. In my history as an entrepreneur, when I was running a, a VC backed startup back in this really like golden age of startups that happened after the first dot com boom. Remember in 2000, 2001, everything blew up. Mm, we were talking about yeah. pets.com and all those create web van, all these companies that made that took in hundreds of millions of dollars and then failed spectacularly and they were all over the news and so on. Okay. After that, there was a lull. And then in 2004, 2005 VC and startup activity started picking up in a major way again. Mm. So I was in Silicon Valley at this time. And during that time we were shopping around our idea to venture capitalists and other people, potential advisors and so on. And it was just magic. San Francisco and Silicon Valley was so small at that time that we pitched our idea to people who are huge names today, Mm. like Peter Thiel and Reid Hoffman in particular. I remember these conversations very well, Mm -hmm. talking with these guys. And at the time, we walked away like we had been kicked in the (laughs) after these conversations. (laughs) Oh, in the what? (laughs) Okay. Just, Just like... It was just, and, and it, and it wasn't just these guys. I mean, we talked to all kinds of VCs and, you know, we ended up getting like 30 no's in order to get one yes from venture yeah. capitalists. And you kind of have to grow thick skin and, and to be able to protect your idea and still have a vision for it and to move on. But I think in some cases, like these, these guys, um, Reed Hoffman and Peter Thiel, 
in some cases, we weren't necessarily talking to them as potential investors, but just because a friend of ours knew them and we were able to get in front of them and talk to them about, about our idea. And I remember getting kind of like huffy about it, feeling down about it, mm. and then just kind of writing it off and moving on without really digging into like, what are they saying and how yeah. could this be so useful be- to Because us? they were coming at, they were either saying no out front, out, out like that's it, or they were telling you like, this is a bad idea for some reason. This is a bad idea for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh. And it's real easy as an entrepreneur to, to just not listen to that yeah. and, and plow forward. And I think now, you know, because of the, the wisdom of entrepreneurship and what we've learned about building businesses and the mantra of build something people want combined with you need to be talking to customers, yeah. right? That's become kind of ingrained to, yeah. into us. Mm-hmm. Back then, that that constructive criticism, unfortunately, uh, I think just came across as it's a bad idea without any, here's yep. what you should do to make the idea better. Mm-hmm. I think now we have more tools to do that. And the, and the common tool is generally like, you need to be talking to customers. You need to be putting something in front of customers to see if this is what they really like. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I just wish I could go back and talk to my 29-year-old self uh-huh. and tell him to just be more receptive and mm-hmm. maybe to ask, like, well, how do you think we could make this better instead of just moving on to the next and the next and the next and the next and just trying to find a yes yeah. instead of trying to maybe make something happen out of all the no's that we were getting. Yeah, no, that's a really big point. And it makes me think of, that's the that, that's like a, a, a classic piece of negativity or adversity that every one of us will face. Right. It's about, it's about our idea. Mm-hmm. Anytime you bring, uh, you're like, hey, I'm thinking of diverting all my internal and external resources towards this thing because I think it will work and everybody in the everybody else gets to go like front gets to talk about this without any like connection to this idea except for you right right and so and, and like how many ideas have you like uh what about you know what makes me think of there's this one movie with Jack Black and and um uh, uh Tom Hanks's son Colin Hanks and he's like a college movie. He has to drive up from L.A. to Stanford or something like that. And Jack Black's like, I can get you there in three hours. <laughs> in like a Bronco. He's like, I got a lot of ideas, man. Got a lot of ideas. Like, 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 like a hat that goes beep. <laughs> like, like just and it, like a shirt that's like, it's like an upside down smiley face. You know what I mean? I got a lot of ideas. This kind of guy, right? We all have these kinds of friends. Yeah. We all don't want to be this kind of person. Sure. When we say we're going to do something, we want it to be vetted and interesting. And, and we want people to go like, wow, I have never had that experience until something was out in the world. And I was like, here's what I do. Not here's what I'm thinking of doing. Unless it's a conversation with people who are entrepreneurial already. Yeah. And I go, here's what I'm thinking about. Tear it apart help me make it better. And they're people that normally care about me in some way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I don't want to make this episode all about, you know, constructive criticism and, and using that to your advantage. But I do think it's worth before we start talking about negativity and people just being a holes. Yeah. Uh, that there is a difference between the two. I think that's really, you should ask yourself that question. And and obviously in the case that Steph brought up, that's at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. No, I think Corbett, that's a really good point. That's a, and that, and that's that's killer context for this whole conversation. So, at some point in your entrepreneurial journey, 
you're going to have to power through some some negativity, right? Contrary to our, our our you know our last piece of advice, which was why power through it is terrible advice. There are obviously situations where you are going to have to overcome obstacles, right? Um, so, Steph, are you up for sharing a a time where you faced some negativity, adversity, or or some obstacle of some kind, and and how you dealt with it? Yeah. And, you know, I think this is going to be fun because my example is kind of a whole other layer to this than what Corbett just presented, which I think is super important. But this is yet another, I want to introduce yet another type of negativity that we haven't talked about yet. And my example is is a good example of this. So I'm going to call this something like perceived negativity. And what I mean by that is for some reason, there are just certain types of comments or different types of reaction to the work that you do that might trigger you, for lack of a better way of saying it. There's just like something about what people say that honestly may not even be malicious. In fact, it may even be meant as a compliment, but for some reason, you take it in a way that feels really negative. And I think that's a really interesting kind of contrast to the very dramatic example or very extreme example that I gave at the beginning, where my example is someone who is actually trying to say something nice to me, but at the time really hit me in a negative way. So this was the example that came to mind for me was when I was making my big transition from this like high powered career that I had built for myself at Groupon. I was running a department for all of North America. And whenever I would go back to my hometown, my my home state of upstate New York, I would always get asked by my extended family, you know, they knew about Groupon, Groupon was all over the news and they always wanted to hear about this career because looking back on it now, I see that it was something that was much easier to understand. It was a classic, you know, sort of corporate situation in terms of I could easily explain what the infrastructure of the company, what my department looked like. So I I would get a lot of questions from my uncles and, you know, people like that that are in my life um, on an extended family kind of context. And there was this one time when I was up there and I was I think I was right in the transition I had been kind of trying to build my career coaching business and I I, I was either just about to join you guys or it had just happened. And I was explaining to my family, extended extended family of, you know, of which many are older. Uh, not that that has anything to do with it, except to say that I think it could be a little bit harder to understand what the heck I was trying to do at Fizzle. And I remember one of my uncles, and again, he meant this in, I think, a really nice way, but I kind of talked about the change and, and how, I've talked about this here on the podcast before, how much lifestyle was a part of my whole desire to be an entrepreneur and to be part of something like Fizzle was because I didn't have a family at the time, but I saw that on the horizon for me. And I knew that my current situation that I had built for myself at Groupon, it was not going to happen the way that I wanted it to, unless I wanted to do daycare five days a week, 12 hours a day, which was just not part of my internal values. So I was kind of trying to explain what I would be, what I would be doing and what my new setup would be like and how I pictured this dream life that I truly like feel I created for myself. And one of my uncles said to me, in a very sincere way, I think it's so great that you're stepping back to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm. <laughs> and especially then, now that I'm 17 months into being a mom, it doesn't hit me the same way that it did then. But I see now that so much of my identity was wrapped up in being this high-powered career woman. And in my own mind, my new post here at Fizzle was actually my greatest challenge so far. It was not a step down or a step back. It was the the biggest and most fun challenge I've gotten to take on. I was I was about to reinvent myself from a career perspective. But from the outside, it looked like my mo- 
motivation was purely, you know, I was maybe going to be mostly a mom and maybe do a little bit of internet stuff, quote unquote. (laughs) (laughs) And it hurt. And, you know, I stopped getting questions from some of my family about what I do because it doesn't, you know, it's maybe a little bit out there for some people. So my example is one where there might be people in your life who are not trying to be negative. They're really trying to be supportive, but it doesn't come across that way. I've even had other mm. people in my family very sweetly say to me, Steph, how's everything going with your work? I don't, I know you have a podcast, but I, I don't understand it, you know, and they're trying, but it feels unsupportive. And mm-hmm. I think the advice that I would impart on people uh, in that situation, if this is something where people are like, oh my God, yes, I've been in that situation. First of all, I would say, recognize that some people don't get it and that is okay. It's not, malicious and also realize that sometimes I see now this was a really great uh, learning situation for me because when I get those feelings, it's like that hot button feeling where like, oh, mm-hmm. you feel really defensive. You're like, hey, I'm not going to be a stay-at-home mom. Although now I'm like, there's nothing. I mean, now that I'm in it, I'm like, that's a great thing to be. So I don't even know why it touched off so much in me, but I have since gotten to know what that feels like. When you have that reaction, it's a good time to go internal and be like, you know, why, like, what is this bringing up for me? Because it was me. It was wasn't him. It was my uncle trying to be supportive, but I took it as negativity. I took it as like, if I wasn't fitting into a certain mold, then I was less accepted. I see now that that wasn't the case, but I think it's important to examine those feelings when they come up because there's probably going to be, I think most people out there can probably think of a situation where you felt like somebody you care about didn't get it and they maybe inadvertently stepped on your toes when they were trying to be supportive. So I think this kind of fits into this conversation too. Mm, yeah, I mean, I could see a different side of that, though, where he was actually being patronizing or misogynistic about it. Yeah. Totally. So I think you're right to be ticked about it. You know, I, he was basically suggesting that you were saying you were going to be doing yes. something online yeah. just so that people didn't ask questions about your career so that you had like a shield, basically, to yep. be able to just, yeah. you know, be at home. You know, which brings yeah. up my first piece of advice, which is uncles are always right. <laughs> <laughs> Uncles are never right, are they? (laughs) Uncles are always right. And we'd all be living a better life if we just paid attention to what our uncles were trying to say to Mm -hmm. us, I think. Mm -hmm. That twice a year at Thanksgiving or whatever. Exactly. When they really speak into your life, Mm -hmm. listen up. Because they know so much about you. Listen up next time. (laughs) And the world that you inhabit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is a good one, Steph. Okay, I like this. Now, you called this perceived negativity. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's the sense that when someone is actually offering to from their point of view yes. a compliment, and it triggers you somehow. I love the way you describe that sort of hot button feeling where you get really defensive, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and like, and the, I think you're bang on that. There's this key to to noticing that feel i mean i think that's connected to this much bigger sort of mindfulness piece that we're all learning about it's like oh when i become aware of my emotional responses yeah. i can be more controlled or flow with them right. better rather yeah. rather than just letting them control my life you well, know yeah l- like corbett said too even if it was truly patronizing in the way that you described the way i think of it now is like you know what he and many other people this is just one example but people come from their old their own worldview and even if he is maybe like from that time or from that mindset where it is like more patronizing that way, I still don't hold it against him because it's like, you know, he's just looking at the world through his own filter. And what I've learned from that is I cannot be held responsible for whatever his feelings are towards 
my life choices, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, if you get hung up on seeking the approval of everybody else around you, which I've talked many times on this show before, I am prone to do, you free yourself from the shackles of seeking the approval of other people when you can start to recognize, you know what? This person's coming at it from his own perspective, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's cool, but I have a different vision for what I, my life is going to be. And I'm not going to let just any anybody's point of view derail that completely. And that that's kind of what I took away from that exchange. Note from our sponsor here, FreshBooks is supporting this episode of The Fizzle Show. FreshBooks is small business accounting software designed for small businesses, especially for all you freelancers out there. They make it really easy to send professional-looking invoices. It takes about 30 seconds to do so. Now, FreshBooks is offering Fizzle Show listeners a month of unrestricted use to all of you out there if you want to try it out. Just head to freshbooks.com slash fizzle and enter fizzle in the how did you hear about a section. Corbett, you want to share a, a time where you experienced some sort of uh, negativity? Sure. And uh, I, I, I love this idea of trying to give it a title. If you had to give yours a title, what would it be? Uh, well, let me talk through it. Maybe a title will come out. Okay, I'll so, be ready for it. So this is, uh, this is similar, I think. Well, this is related to something that Steph touched on, which is there are plenty of people who don't necessarily understand mm-hmm. what you understand about what you're trying to do, right? Yeah. We're all immersed in this. People listening to this podcast are like immersed in this world yeah. where we all know that this is possible. We know examples of people who have been successful doing something that we're trying to do. And then there's the 99.999% of other people out there who um, their only exposure to entrepreneurship is the old adage that nine out of 10 small businesses fail and shark tank, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's natural for those people to, um, they are, if, if they're negative towards you, it's, it may stem from the fact that they're offended by what you're trying to do Mm. because they never knew that that was possible. And it's natural just to, tear people down when they're trying to do something different from what you're trying to do. Unfortunately, it's kind of part of human nature. So um, this is the uh, curmudgeonly coworker. Let's call it that. Okay. I like it. So (laughs) I, uh, a long time ago worked for a semiconductor manufacturer in the technology area and was writing software for these people and worked with a bunch of people. And you had stories about the old, uh, the old software guy that had a beard was kind of like a wizard. Bobster. Bobster's total wizard, the ASP wizard. So there, there are always those like older developers and, you know, knock wood, I'll be one of those someday. Uh, and a lot of them have incredible things to say, but at the same time, this particular experience that I had with this guy was that he was just kind of a negative Nelly all the time around the workplace. And uh, after I left, a few years elapsed. I hadn't heard from this guy at all, but evidently he had kind of kept track of what I was doing. So at this point, uh, I'm going to read you guys a couple of emails. The first one starts in, in 2009. And this Wait, was, hold on. That's really adorable that he sort of kept tabs on you and kept track of you over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can see there's absolutely. like, that's amazing. Okay, keep going. And this coincided with uh, him getting close to retirement. So yeah. I think he just had a lot of questions about his life and yeah. uh, a lot of time on his hands. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so this is in 2009. This is after I had done my venture capital-backed startup thing in San Francisco. Yeah. And now I was in the middle of my uh, sabbatical throughout Mexico. I'd started a blog and I was just figuring things out for myself of what my new career was going to look like. Mm-hmm. So here, uh, I'll, ki- I'll call this guy Frank. 
Mm-hmm. Frank writes me, Corbett, I was at work and was wondering how your internet company worked out. So I looked once again for Corbett Bar on Google. It looks like you've been really successful. I wish I had done what you had done when I was younger. I'll be 65 in about a year and a half, and then maybe I'll be able to pursue a more happy lifestyle. So started out nice. I <laughs> responded, hey, you know, thanks, Jim. You know, uh, Frank, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. What have you been up to? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then a few months later, I get another email and I'm looking here, realizing that I didn't even respond to this one. Uh, he says, Corbett, this post on transparency, I think he's referring to some blog post okay. that I, that I yeah. had written that was probably a little bit like open kimono or something. <laughs> he said, it confirms some things I have thought all along. <laughs> Oh, no. I like where this is going so much right now. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear where this goes next. <laughs> I remember my thoughts when I read about your last company. I couldn't believe anyone would actually pay you for this service. Evidently, they didn't. <laughs> the Spanish lessons idea raised the exact same concern. Somebody needs to apply a sanity test to these ideas. Do they really make sense? Will someone actually get enough value from the service to justify them paying money for it? Would I pay you to screen my email for me? No. Would I pay you to teach me something I can learn for free at dozens of internet sites from hundreds of books that cost less than a year's subscription to your site? No. Probably self-publishing is your best bet. Write something about what you learned during your years consulting. That has value. Good luck. Oh, man. Oh, wow. I didn't even respond to this one. So it took quite a turn in those three months. It took quite a turn. Yeah, so so, uh, Frank is like, He's going like, I, my confusion was correct about you because you wrote a post that was like talking about like the value of transparency or something like that. Yeah, so, and I think he probably he had imagined that I was doing quite well. Yeah. Uh, I've heard several times people mention that they, they hypothesized that I did really well during the dot-com bubble and therefore yeah. was able to just blog yeah, and like yeah, have yeah, fun yeah, with yeah. my life. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, this goes on. Uh, That's fascinating, by the way. I love that idea of like a lot of people think I just scored big during the day. I, yeah. No, I found my way to live how I wanted to. Yeah. I, that's what I learned how to do. And yeah. I don't have some big mountain of money in the bank. And at the time he was writing me, I, I wasn't like making a killing. I was yeah. like just scraping by and figuring things out. Right? Like my, like most of us when we're building something like that. Yeah. And I could have taken this really personally and been like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I am a fraud. Yeah. I shouldn't even be trying. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that kind of voice. Yeah. That kind of voice could be really, really dangerous to someone like me where I didn't, I, I, I there's certain times in my past where I probably would have listened to a guy like Frank. You right. know, but right. like, I mean, it depends if I have, se- if I've seen Frank and if he's got long wispy hair mm-hmm. and like those big bags under his eyes and if he carries around like a sci-fi novel with him and like Birkenstocks with socks, like I'm like, all right, I'm going to temper everything that you say. Cause obviously you're a this wizard wasn't the case. and a genius. This wasn't the case. This wasn't the case. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, what stands out to me that is really interesting. What jumped out right away was in his first email, which was quite nice. He said something along the lines of, I wish I had done this too, or I yeah, wish right. I had done this in my younger life. And yeah. that's always a red flag for me. It's like, whoa, buddy, you just signaled that this is all about you and that you kind of wish you could rewrite yeah. your own history. And it's a lot easier to tear other people down when, and, and not even tear people down. That's too strong. 
discredit what somebody else is working on in order to validate his own life choices. Like, see, I knew it wasn't possible for me to have done it differently. So in his yeah. own mind, I think he was justifying his own path. And it was mm-hmm. so much less about what you were actually doing, Corbett. And I think that's a, a really important point. I like, think it whenever is. someone throws a bunch of negativity at you, it's probably more about them than it is about you. Yeah. And and that's the difference between, you know, if circling back to what we started talking about, that's the difference between constructive criticism and pure negativity. Yeah. Pure negativity is about the person saying it. Constructive criticism is about you, you mm. know, combining what somebody Well, wow, yeah, that's a really good difference between the two. So is there another email? There's there there were actually about ten. Oh, this, oh. <laughs> but I've got I've got two more. And and this this person just was kind of my own personal troll for yeah. several years. Yeah. Uh so then uh, the, the next email was nine months later. Or so uh, it goes, well, Corbett, you've been at this a while now. I'm interested to know if your different endeavors have generated enough income to support your family or are you doing consulting on the side? Are you making money or just getting by? How many web-based businesses do you have? And I responded to him and explained what I had going on. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll just read that part just so you guys have a little context. Yeah, I'd I like said, to hear it. I said, hey, uh, things are going well. Thanks for your interest. I'm getting by partly by selling my own products, partly by selling other people's products, and partly through services that I provide. I have five active sites bringing in income. But free pursuits and think traffic are the primary sources, either directly or indirectly. It's not the kind of money I would necessarily have made at as a big company consultant right now, but there's no comparison as what I'd rather be doing. How are things with you? Mm. Well, he says, I'm glad to hear you are doing all right. I could not do what you are doing. Too much uncertainty. Mm. But maybe it's because I'm much older than you are. I'll be 65 in February and plan on retiring. 66 is full retirement age, but I've had enough. Mm. I can see what your strategy is. If you get enough web-based businesses going and they each make a little money, then maybe the total will be sufficient. And maybe you'll come up with one that will really take off and make a lot of money one day. The rub seems to be the amount of time and effort it takes to keep them all going. So, you know, it, it's like it's kind of an emotional roller coaster yeah, because yeah. Yeah. one moment he's like just reaching out, the next moment he's like being a total dick, yeah. and then the next moment it's like <laughs> it's kind of sad because like you realize what's going on in this person's yeah. life. Totally. Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to read the last yeah, one. No, just please. Conclude I, I want to read all of them. <laughs> yeah, at it's this like a reality point. show. I'm desperate Maybe to read more about Frank. <laughs> all right. So, Frank, uh, about 18 months later, mm. there was a little bit in between, but. 18 months later says, dude, well, I see you're still doing the same thing. I retired last February and back living in Texas in a Dell Webb 55 and over community, also known as God's waiting room. (laughs) Fortunately, through investments, social security and being vested at one of my jobs, I do not have any money problems. But I have to tell you, getting up every day and wondering what you're going to do gets old after a while. I saw your video shot at your place in Mexico. It looked nice. I've never been able to see going to Mexico unless I had to. I spent a week down there in Monterey during training for one of my companies. It was in the summer, hot as hell and dirty, exactly the way I pictured Mexico. The only thing missing was the danger, but that's there now. (laughs) I've been following your progress. I have to tell you, I've never figured out how you earn a living. As I understand it, affiliated marketing does not pay that much. I do remember back when we were at the company we both worked for, Someone told me you made a killing during the dot-com bubble before it burst. Mm. Is there a market for your wife's paintings? I have not seen any of them for sale online. Take care. So he's just like, how is this guy even making his money? Yeah. How is this even happening? He just fundamentally, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, doesn't understand 
what many of us understand when you do the deep learning on, you know, and at at this time, very few people did understand how you can make affiliate marketing work. I think so. I think so. I think it's becoming a little more common and you could probably just tell people the names of like three podcasts to go listen to and they would all understand it in time. Um, you know, I, I think the, the important thing here is just really to have empathy to try to understand what's going Mm -hmm. on in this person's life. It's, still annoying as hell when it happens yeah. and you're getting these emails like totally what the hell is your problem <laughs> like you know you know what i think of is i think of um of you know at any any given I- interaction like right now at any given interaction it's might not be the last interaction like this isn't the this isn't the end of the relationship right right like we've seen frank go through a lot mm-hmm. of changes here and what has happened is we got perspective on frank Right. That's what that's what happened. He still is like just sitting there going like, wait, I want to understand now. But he went from going like, this seems interesting to you're a total idiot to like, how does this work even? Totally. (laughs) Right. It wasn't the last interaction. Any of those interactions wasn't the last one. It makes me think of my son right now. He has a friend in the neighborhood and and he's just not a like doesn't seem like a great influence on my son. (laughs) Mm. You know, just like what it's like the first time I had to be like. Wow. Okay. So, how are we going to cope with this? And yeah. way I have to cope with it. The the only reasonable, the only actual like, like intelligent way it seems to work with it is like, okay, well, we have to. I have to spend more time with both these boys. Do you know what I, mean? yeah. I have to become an influence on this other kid at least a little yeah. bit? You know, and because I don't want to be the dad that goes like, there's never, there's never. My dad tried to do that to me in high school when I was hanging out with my friend Evan, and my dad was like, dude, this guy's a loser just because he didn't come from like a wealthy family or something like that. And I'm like, they're rich in all the ways we are not, dad. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and my dad was just, he just couldn't understand. He was being a total Frank in that situation. And I've been kind of a Frank with my, with my son's buddy, right? Because I'm like, wait, what's, what's the appeal here? But you know when you like have a friend that you, like when a kid well, has a friend Well, but there's also like, some legitimate times where you, oh, yeah. your son would be better off not hanging out with this Absolutely, person. but yeah. We're eight at this point. You just got to hope you don't have that. I, I, and, and yeah, we just got to be, I'm like, okay, I have to be close through this thing. The point yeah. being just that sense that every interaction isn't the last interaction. It doesn't define Frank. And, and, and if you have a spine to stand up on, because you're like, I'm no, look, I just see this month. I made more, just a little bit more than I made in the month before. Yeah. And, and, and this progress is keeping going. Like I trust. So this is where everything shifts. I mean, when you can feel like you can stand up on your own two legs and your own spine and you feel like, Hey, listen, you can blow your wind as much as you want around here, but it's just like, it's not going to blow me over. Mm-hmm. Like you're just not going to blow me That's over. That's a good place to be in. It's a, it's, and it's, and it is so hard. I feel like you kind of have to unprogram yourself from our normal programming of like what other people thinks think of you matters right a mm-hmm. lot. Right. But when you're like, no, wait, 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 I want to feel like this when I work, and I want to do these kinds of things with my time, and I need to make this kind of money. And if you fi- if you nail those three things, and then Frank shows up in your inbox, it's kind of like if you know that you're standing on your own legs. And that you, that like his wind is just, it's just a wind. Like wind can't blow, can't blow over this sucker. This Mm -hmm. isn't a Mm -hmm. class five hurricane, right? So, uh, I don't know that, that to me is a really big lesson to learn. And and that's like a spiritual thing. You have to learn to stand on your own feet, regardless of all the Franks out there. And that's probably the biggest piece of advice 
of 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 all on this mm-hmm. topic in some ways, right? The ability to know that. Go for it, Steph. I, I got to say one more thing, and it's it's a little bit of a disclaimer, but I think it's a really important point. So in the case of, and of course, I don't know what Chase is going to say in terms of his example, but it just so happens that my, in my example and Corbett's, there was this, let's call it an age factor. And I just want to call mm. this out because I know we have people listening who are maybe would consider themselves on the later edges of life. And I, I think it's really important to point out that this isn't, that's, that's not like the only situation where you're going to encounter that type of negativity. And in fact, I have actually had some really meaningful exchanges with some listeners in particular. I'm thinking of one listener of our show and she also listens to the courage and clarity podcast. She's 65 and she has shared with me that the opposite end of this, where she's kind of gotten some of these types of, let's call it perceived negativity from younger people who are Mm. kind of, maybe even her kids or even grandkids who are saying things, who are saying things like, you know, really mom, like you're 65, you think you can do this? It's the same exact thing. So this is not a comment Mm. on- Can you imagine? Yeah, exactly. You know, being in that position. And and it's it's probably the same thing in reverse. Her, Her kids or the younger people- despise her ability to do something new with their, her oh, life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So they're exactly. pitching her a bunch of crap, like just trying to drag her back into normalcy, into yeah. the status mm-hmm. quo, because yep. it's more comfortable for them. Well, because totally. I mean, this is, I think, it, it, like, I, I, I can't hate, take this anywhere else to myself personally, besides like, this is just like, it's like a mental condition that we're sort of trained in by our, by our, like, just our, our, our whatever, our ecosystem. You know, if somebody has something like I want it, you know, and if they can and and we're just constantly organizing ourselves internally based on if we're doing good enough and if we're good enough. Mm -hmm. And that's determined by, you know, what Frank thinks of us a lot for a lot of us, you know, what a lot of what, what like people think of us. And so we're just doing it like this. It's not until we define our own like, well, what do I want? I want it to feel like this. I want to do. I want to. I want to be doing things in this direction because I care about these topics and subjects and or people or problems, and I want to be making this kind of money doing it. Right. Once you have that, and then you're just looking at a spreadsheet, going like, "I want to do that." I don't know if I'm. I and mean, you're not guaranteed to do that. You're not. There's no expectations that you're like you're definitely going to get that because now you've written it down. It's like no. Now now the now the fun actually starts. Right. You have to do it. But like this negativity. It seems to be something we do naturally, and I think it's largely informed by our culture, not by our nature, by our culture, right? Um, I'll, I'll share one. I, I'm trying to figure, I've got a few I can, I'll, I'll do this one. I'll do this one. Um, this one is uh, is just internal. All, all of mine have been just internal. Mm. I don't really remember. That's interesting. I don't really remember, uh, you know, I don't remember when people doubt me. Right. Even though because because I've doubted myself so much harder than anyone else can doubt me. Yeah. Like every single time. Yeah. You don't seem to take that much offense to it. I don't take any offense. Yeah. Because I'm like, you are your hardest critic. I am always my hardest critic. And so for me, that's how I assume other people are. And 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 um, but the truth is a lot of people aren't like that. So for me, for example, here's a like a light one. I have some heavy ones, but here's like a light one. I made a huge mistake on YouTube. Um, not, not like to some, they would look at this and say, this is a huge mistake, but to others, uh, to me personally, I don't, I don't take it as a mistake. So I don't, I don't mind making mistakes out loud sometimes, but when I, when I know what has, when I've learned something valuable from it, it's like, okay. So what happened is, uh, what had happened was I make bag reviews, uh, on video on YouTube for fun. 
I love this. That's just something that happened naturally about a decade ago. It started. I bought a bag. It happened very naturally. I made a video because there was no videos out there. And the company was like, dude, we'll give you this coupon code and you'll make 10% off every sale. Um, and people get 10% off when they use your code. And so I just started making videos for these guys and they kind of got started getting big and then years go by and now more and more bag companies just send me bags and I make the, vi- make the videos for fun on a Sunday. We have affiliate relationships with some of these companies. So Melissa's like, yeah, take the afternoon and make a video because it's more than our cocktail, you know, budget in the month. You know, we're starting to make like at least some money from this thing. So she's like, and she's a total gold digger. So that works out for her. <laughs> Please, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, my wife, my wife holds the family together. I'd be lost without her. Um, and so, anyways, I had started this whole thing under my just basic YouTube account, and I wanted to do it on a different one. I want It was like Chase Reeves. Yeah. Is, what, what was that urge? So it was connected to. So first of all, I wanted to have just a just straight up product reviews, mm-hmm. just like a place where like you can subscribe. It's product reviews. It's just that. And then I wanted to do other videos. I think what's happening is my my future dream is that I am somehow a stand up comedian, spiritual guru of some kind. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm sixty, like what? I can I can just kind of do that. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like so on the nose it hurts. <laughs> but that's like and like I'm like what do you how do you do that? It's probably on YouTube. So it's like this idea of over the next 15 years you could just be making little videos about stuff and who knows what happens because the same thing happened with the bag stuff like right. i never intended to do any of that right and now it's this like whole thing right so uh anyways i started up a new channel i had to start up a new channel the problem is i had all these subscribers on my chase reeves but i can't change the name of that because it's connected to my mm-hmm. gmail account so I, I i came up with this whole strategy i talked to several youtubers and they were like D- this is a terrible idea don't do this and i was like i'll do what i want to do constructive uh, criticism <laughs> constructive criticism and you were like stop being negative stop to me being so negative i can overcome this obstacle <laughs> Um, so uh, the desire again, just, I wanted a separate thing. I didn't think people were going to understand what was going on. If there was like some humor videos, some spirituality videos and some bag product review videos, you know? Um, so I started up a new channel and I wanted to see how many of those subscribers, like, cause I had like 10,000 subscribers at the time. Could I, how could I, how many of those could I get over to the new channel? It's like a big question to ask. You know, one of the things we know in business is you can get an email subscriber, but can you get an email subscriber to open your damn emails right. a year from now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Can you give them to click a link a year and a half yeah, from now? Yeah, it's not something to, to mess with. So engagement is like still the only metric there really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did really well. I, I did this. Exp- I like was like finding ways to get people over there. I was started to launch some videos over there, um, and and I ended up ended up getting about three thousand people who had moved from the first one and subscribed over on the new one, which was like to me way from ten thousand to three thousand is like I, w- I didn't think I would get that much. Yeah. I thought we would be looking at like you know five hundred or right. something like that. So that felt good, but then I don't know. It was just like. Over time, enough people just kept kind of because all of the videos that are getting tons and tons of traffic are on the old, are still on the old, on the old thing, profile. and and yeah. and that's where so many of the subscribers come from, and it's for all this stuff, and so I was yeah. just like, it was just a mess, right? And so I had to go. 
I made a mistake. I'm sorry. We're going to combine it all again. I'm going to put everything back at Chase Reeves and we're going to see And I'm just going to uh, eventually one day, I haven't made any of those other kinds of videos yet. Who knows if I ever will. Yeah. And, or right? where, where those will go. Or if, and I think I'll just put them at that Chase Reeves channel and it'll be like Chase Reeves Emporium of Weirdness. Yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> that's I don't kind know. of what I call your brain actually. <laughs> yeah. it is. It's the Emporium. The Emporium of Weirdness. So, so, but did you were beating yourself up about this? So Where's the me, negativity coming? To me, the negativity is in I, I i had this really it was really fun for the reasons that steph talked about when you start noticing when you're sort of triggered or afraid or and you start getting used to just kind of like sitting with that and going like okay we're afraid or we're embarrassed mm-hmm. or we're yeah and you just and there's and you try to take the shame out of it and you just sit with the actual feeling itself without the shame of the whole thing, yeah. you know, without the frankness of the whole thing, right. you know? Um, and so I had to just sit there and, and kind of like own this sense that like, Oh no, I'm in over my head. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I've played with the like relationship I have with these, with this audience too easily. Yeah. All of these potential shameful things that were kind of like emails from Frank that were coming in. Yeah. Just in my in mind. Head, yeah. Just in my mind. And then on top of that, like you're supposed to be the guy that knows about this stuff. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. Here I am. And this is the post that I'm going to write for the blog on oh, Thursday. Good. Here I am. Like I'm supposed to, I, I not, not only did I co-found a company that is like really successful with with like tens of thousands of customers over the past five years. But (laughs) that company is a training company about entrepreneurship, (laughs) how to use tools on the internet. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and then then YouTube is kind of your, your wheelhouse. Uh, Yeah. 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 But just as a hobby, right? So this whole thing and, I don't know. To me, the moral of the whole thing is like, dude, yeah, I will make, there's this old Christian worship song. That's like, uh, or a, a, a line from a Psalm that like David, uh, David and Goliath, David, he was like, I will become even more undignified than this for the glory of my God or whatever. Right. And I, for me, the moral story is like, Hey man, for the chance of learning how to actually do the next 50 years of my life online and finding success, I'll become even more undignified and make even bigger mistakes yeah, than this. Of course. You know, because this is the cost of learning and of and of uh, of of action, I guess it's yeah. the cost of actual action. That's the moral of the thing. So, but just dealing with the negativity of it to me, it was all in my head. Obviously, yeah. And it's just a silly example. Every week, aren't we all walking around with a bunch of negativity? Yeah. So my yeah. advice is, is is all related to that dialogue. Yeah. It's the it's the inner critic that I think is is and that's the biggest source of negativity I bet for ninety percent of us for all of us yeah. it doesn't matter because most of us haven't launched our thing because Frank in our head already wrote us all those emails <laughs> right <laughs> totally. and so we never even launched the thing yep right it's very very dangerous to put yourself out there it seems and then it's only when you actually do it a few times that you realize the bark is so much louder and more painful than the bite. Mm-hmm. It's there's just, and that there's literally, there's, there's basically no bite when you know what you're doing and why, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, but there is a cost to that negativity. It derails you for a oh while. Oh my God. The cost of the negativity, yeah. it's literally derailing all of your energy from making the thing. Well, and you believe yourself so much than you more than you believe an external person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and to identify that voice in your head and to realize that it's negative and not smart mm-hmm. necessarily, that's the hardest it's thing not in the constructive. world. It's so easy to get that email from Frank and go like, well, he's, he knows more than me. 
right? It's so easy to do that. It's so easy to get that conversation in your head going on and be like, yeah, you're probably right. You know, when your uncle's just in your head going like, am I really just stepping away from all the things that mattered to my identity before now? And I'm just going to like basically be a mom who does little things on the internet. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's so easy to play with that stuff. So my quick pieces of advice are this. So first and foremost is um, I, I wanted to, to kind of call harken back to the, the first story that we told. If you're having a situation where someone is doing something seriously effed up at you, like the first thing to to realize is that is so effed up. <laughs> like yeah. that is so that is so crappy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's stupid and that sucks. It's petty. I'm sorry that that's happening to you. Right? Like yeah. you know like anybody who knows this world was going to feel that for you. Mm-hmm. And so make sure you feel that for yourself a little bit. Feel the sadness I of it. I would have such a hard time not going on the offensive in that case. Well, Many of us have our different responses to that, yeah. right? And so your your mine would be scorched earth. Yeah, yeah. So that would call <laughs> that would be called your reaction, maybe. Yeah. Versus it, maybe contrast that with your response. Mm. Well, if you had an intelligent response to it, which might still look the same, yeah, just right. might be even more malicious, right? But the first thing is like, if something screwed up is happening to you, make sure you know that it's screwed up. Like this isn't just like what it's like to start a blog. <laughs> You know, most people will never deal with this kind of thing. And so I think it's really important to deal with those feelings before we start working on the next stuff, right? Not by dealing with, I just mean like allowing yourself to feel them, realize that they're there, understand that they're true. Second of all, for me, always, I got to come back to a place of chill before I do anything else. Mm. Come back to peace and presence and centeredness before I make that reaction, Right. Because like Steph, you were talking about, you know, crappy Uncle Terry says something and it triggers us and we get defensive. Right. Mm-hmm. And we feel that hot button sort of thing come up and we get really. Ah! And if you notice that and you can do whatever you do to come back to chill, come back to centered and grounded. Uh, to me, that's like a really big deal. It might sound stupid or, you know, new agey to you. But that's why that's why mindfulness and meditation and yoga and, you know, whatever you got to do to get back to there because the difference between a reaction and a response i think is like as far away as 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 heaven is from earth or something like that so mm-hmm. the idea mm-hmm. that like you can actually hold hold like like step back feel all the things that are going on realize there's a thing in you that's not all those feelings going on and that's the thing that's making the decisions then we make an informed decision moving forward so start with chill get back to a centered sort of place and then finally another piece of advice that's just like you know it's anecdotal it's just be patient because sometimes that response takes time sometimes it takes time to know what to do I got to imagine in the story that we told in the very beginning with this is going on. It's like, like it, how, how do you respond to that? Like, what do you even do? Like what, if you don't, if you're not like a whiz at like what you, what's Kate, what you're, what you could potentially do, you know, how you could potentially hurt someone else online who's trying to hurt you or take advantage of their life. Right. Then, which, by you know, I'm not advocating for that, by the way. I just think that'll that'll get you more in kind. But, dude, people, sometimes, anyways, it feels like that would be really, it feels <laughs> good if we could just get some of these people punished. That'd be nice. But I don't know. No kidding. But, <laughs> but um, it just might take time to figure out how to respond. And a lot of us 
get into this trap where we're doing something online and um, we feel like our audience is like just waiting for us to say something mm-hmm. about something or is like we, we publish every Tuesday. And so now we're going to get these emails from people because if we don't publish on Tuesday, cause I don't know what to, it's like, no, hold on. First of all, nobody's getting like, this is, this is the brutal, the brutal thing is nobody's going to notice <laughs> almost nobody's going to notice. Right. Right. Unless, unless, unless in some rare occasions, unless you're really, really, really good. And the brutal thing there is very few of us are really, really, really good. We're all just kind of like finding our way through. So don't, don't be so afraid of letting yourself be patient about this stuff. Be sad, you know, feel the feelings, start with chill and then be patient. Those are my three big pieces of advice just on this internal stuff because, and external stuff, because I mean, Negative stuff is going to come your way. Obstacles of all different shapes and sizes are coming your way. In some ways, this is exactly what entrepreneurship is, is a commitment to overcoming obstacles in an intelligent direction. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's like, but, but at the same time, it's like, we also have to make money. (laughs) Like, it's like, we have to make money. All the other things are up to you. <laughs> That's entrepreneurship, right? Um, and and I, I'm more interested in the up to you parts of things. And it's like, hey, we got to learn what we have to do on the making money thing. But like all the up to you parts of stuff, that's what makes us burn out. That's what makes us feel like crap when we end our days. So um, anything else to add, you guys? I don't think so. That's I think quiet. We, that's think quiet we, right there. <laughs> And we hit a wide variety of different types of negativity, which I think is really fun. I'm, I'm, it was fun to see where this episode went, especially because we started with an extreme example. But I think there was a lot in here that a lot of people can relate to. So hopefully, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Mm, I liked it. Corbett Parr, thanks for being on the show. Thanks Just for always, us. always so grateful. You know, Corbett Parr had some time in the, in, in, back in the day where he was pitching to Peter Thiel and all these guys, and he's slumming it out here on the internet with us <laughs> because you know what? That's the kind of dude he is. You're my peeps, that's why. You're my peeps. Steph, welcome back to the show from Louisville. Louisville. Thank you. And hope your life out there is settling into wonderful, wonderful scenery. And I have been Chase Wardman-Reeves, and this was episode 239. If you need to, you can go get the show notes here at fizzleshow.co slash 239. I hope you loved the show. It was a great one. I love talking about this. This feels like the real deal stuff. And if you're new to the show, if you haven't listened to us before, make sure you check out the toolkit. We made it for you. It's got 10 of the most essential Fizzle Show episodes on it. You can find it at fizzle.co slash toolkit. Fizzle.co slash toolkit. The 10 essential episodes of the Fizzle Show as well as four of our excellent guides that are there just totally as a gift for you. Thanks for stopping by and listening to the show. And here's an iTunes review from Panos Kordatsis in Greece. That's so Greek. Panos Kordatsis in Greece who says, entertaining, humorous podcast using practical examples, how to do it and what to avoid. Guidance for your job, not only 100% applicable, but also 100% from the heart. Awesome. That's so great. Thank you, Panos. That's really kind. And in closing, here's a quote from David Lynch on negativity. He says, negativity is the enemy of creativity. That's a very simple quote, Corbin Mm. Parr. It's not very difficult to understand. Negativity is the enemy of creativity. Love it. I hope you take it and just, and you you just feel that. Let it, let him feel it at you. Find care, take care, serve hard and dig in. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week on the Fizzle Show.